Welcome back to the Startup Showdown podcast, where we discuss pitching, funding, and scaling startups. Join us as we interview winners, mentors, and judges of the monthly $120,000 pitch competition powered by Panoramic Ventures. We also discuss the latest updates in software, Web3, healthcare tech, fintech, and more. Now sit tight as we interview this week's guest and their journey through entrepreneurship. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Startup Showdown Radio, and this is going to be a good one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, Panoramic Ventures. Without them, we couldn't be sharing these important stories. Today on Startup Showdown Radio, we have Greg Refner with Abstract. Welcome, Greg. Hey, thanks for having me, Lee. Excited to be here and uh, kind of dive into some of the details of our experience and kind of what we've learned along the way. Well, before we get too far into things, just tell us kind of about Abstract. How are you serving folks? Yeah, so we are a real-time call coaching software that essentially uh, is your always-on sales coach. So imagine you're on a sales call, Lee, and uh, an objection comes up that you've never heard before. Well, Abstract is listening to that conversation and then in real time providing insights or recommended responses to sales reps so they know exactly how to answer that question and don't lose that opportunity. So this is just kind of happening in a stream on the side or something as I'm interacting with the prospect? Yeah. So imagine I'm kind of looking at my computer through a Zoom call or on a phone call. And um, yeah, based upon what's happening in the conversation, there's a, we call it our heads up display is on your desktop and uh, it pops up and says, you know, recognizes that they said, hey, this is too expensive or um, call me back later. And uh, in about 0.2 seconds, there's a little called a recommended response card that pops up and says, hey, they said this, you say that. So what was the genesis of the idea? Yeah, so it kind of started uh, about eight years or so ago when I first started my career as an SDR, cold calling every single day. And uh, back then, the tools that sales managers relied upon to coach their team were largely two things. One was called Whisper, and one was called Barge. And what Whisper would do is it allow a manager to tap into a phone call while it was happening and in, in one ear, tell the sales rep what to say while the sales rep was supposed to be paying attention to what the prospect was saying on, in the other ear. It was very distracting. didn't work very well. Um, so that's kind of my early exposure to call coaching, sales coaching software. And that evolved into tools that uh, most people know today as conversational intelligence, tools like Gong and Chorus. Um, and I was a very early adopter of those. Love those technologies, attribute much of my success to being able to use those technologies um, effectively. And a couple of years ago, I was using uh, speech-to-text on my iPhone, talking with my wife about what we wanted to name our firstborn son. And I was kind of like, why aren't we using this type of technology in B2B software sales? And um, kind of one thing led to another, and I realized that it was actually quite hard to do automated speech recognition in real time, um, kind of at scale. And so um, kind of early exposure to, to painful coaching tools, early adopter of technology that was coming out, along with a, a chance kind of thought in my mind as to you know speech to text and how it could be applied to sales is kind of looking back the breadcrumbs that made up what an abstract is today. 
So you're not a um, technologist. You are a practitioner? Uh, yes. I, uh, I'm definitely not a technologist. I, I know what code looks like, but I wouldn't be able to tell you how to write it or if it's good code. But you were able to find kind of a, um, a problem to be solved, and you were able to communicate that with people who know the technology? Yeah, so that was a, it was interesting because I, I I knew the problem I wanted to solve, and um, being a, a non technical person, being able to take that um, problem and communicate it in a way to a technical person that would start to paint the, paint the picture for kind of what the how the technology could, could be built was a challenge, and um, ultimately I spent a long time and. There was actually, I spoke with 37 different kind of development firms uh, before I found somebody who understood what I was trying to do, felt like it could be done, and was willing to invest the time with me to actually try to build a proof of concept. So um, it's it's definitely a challenge being the, the practitioner, as you said, and not the actual technology person behind building it. Because going out and finding someone to help you build it is definitely a challenge. Now, any advice for other non-technical founders to kind of, um, you know, find that right fit? Because, you know, I'm sure, as you mentioned, you had to kiss a lot of frogs, right, uh, in order to, to find the right fit for yourself. Yeah. So I think there's a there's a website called Co-Founders Lab. And um, that's ultimately where I found my technical co-founding team. So I think just like uh, kind of anything today, there's resources out there. So co-founders lab, there's a couple LinkedIn groups um, for sales, marketing, operational type folks looking for technical fo- co-founders. Um, so, you know, there's, there's resources out there for non-technical people to find technical people because, you know, it makes sense. There's probably technical people in the world that are looking for their, their counterpart from a sales marketing operational perspective. So there's, there's websites, there's resources, there's groups, there's meetups um, for people that want to find those technical co-founders. You don't have to kind of just kiss a lot of frogs. There's actually kind of very, very, uh, very good groups and and networks out there already established. You just got to find them in your area. Yeah, it seems like there's a platform or a marketplace for pretty much everything nowadays. Uh, I would say that's a fair statement. Yes, sir. So now let's talk uh, kind of the beginning, beginning of your career. You mentioned you spent some time as an uh, SDR, but what was when you were younger, what was your kind of dream uh, to become? Was it always an entrepreneur, always a founder? Uh, yes, I wanted to become a fighter pilot in high school. And... Turns out my eyesight wasn't good enough to be a fighter pilot. And they told me that I could work on planes if I went and got a mechanical or aerospace engineering degree. And so that was what my original uh, degree was going to be in when I went to college. And uh, Lee, it took me all of about three weeks to figure out that Friday morning classes combined with my interest in joining the fraternity did not make sense. Um, They weren't going to turn out too well for me. So I went back and forth, changed my uh, major, I think, five or six times. Um, ended up getting kicked out of college, believe it or not, uh, because I didn't go to any classes. And uh, a couple of years later, invented a piece of exercise equipment, um, 
fell in love with the idea of inventing things and kind of taking a napkin drawing and turning it into something that people use was moderately successful at doing that. Um, but I had no idea what I was doing from a business perspective. I ended up running out of money, running that company into the ground. And um, ultimately, just realized that I, I kind of enjoyed that process. I loved the idea of working for myself, but I didn't know anything about how to run a company or even market or sell a company. And so that's when I was like, okay, I need to get to the ground floor somewhere, start my career, you know, cold calling, building sales funnels, building pipeline. And um, that's when I made my way into the world of being an SDR. So going through that process um, and learning other people's systems on how to work a funnel and, and, you know, participate in the uh, moving a prospect through the funnel, that was foundational for you in terms of abstract? Like those those learnings sound like they kind of set the stage. You had the entrepreneurial drive, uh, but that gave you some tools maybe to, to help make abstract successful? I think so. I mean, ultimately, I think when I talk with my peers that are at, at kind of going through the same stage where abstract is, one of the problems they have is they don't know sales and marketing. They wouldn't know how to tell you how to build a, a marketing funnel or a, a lead generation engine. They wouldn't know how to sell their own software. And so I feel like I, you know, I, I don't have that problem, right? I, I, I feel very confident and comfortable in that. And I, uh, I can attribute a lot of what I know today to, to what I learned being okay, kind of stepping back and, and joining a company called Acton Software as an SDR. So yeah, I think it was foundational to kind of laying the, the groundwork for, for where we are today. So now you got to participate in this kind of um, transition from conversational intelligence to real-time call coaching software? Yeah. Yep. Yes, sir. So you were able to kind of see the, the uh, trade-offs in each one of those and then how abstract is maybe a better way, a better solution. Yeah. So as um, one of our early customers put it, um, he said, you know, with conversational intelligence tools out there today, it's like finding the black box after the plane's already gone down. Um, it tells you what went wrong, what broke, what you could have done better. Um, but you only find that after, you know, you've already lost the opportunity and with abstracts, imagine, you know, autopilot kicks in when things go wrong and saves the opportunity. And so it was a kind of a natural progression. When you look around as consumers, we have things in our cars that drive our cars for us when we're not paying attention. We have things on our phone that help us to do things when we're maybe, you know, not organized as we should be. We have tools in our house that automate some things that, you know, we don't want to think about anymore. And so it just, it becomes like this natural progression in the B2B world to, to start to think about how technology can be used in the same way to help us avoid those lost opportunities um, as opposed to only waiting until to find out they were lost until after they've already been lost. Right. Like instead of doing the autopsy, you're kind of solving the problem and saving them in real life. Exactly. Absolutely. Now, um, is how from a technology standpoint, were you able to not only kind of 
capture good enough content where it's understanding the context of what's being said, because a lot of times there's subtext um, during a conversation and to, to bubble up the right information for that salesperson at, uh, you know, in, in that speed at that speed. Oh, that's a, that's a million dollar question. Um, if you ask, um, so I asked one of our, our, our first solutions architects was a guy named Josh. And I asked Josh that same question one day. I was like, Hey, how did we figure this out? And his answer still kind of sticks with me today because he said, honestly, Greg, we didn't know what we didn't know. And we didn't come in with any preconceived notions of how things should be built. And what he meant by that was there's a lot of companies out there today that are worth billions of dollars, have more money in the bank that they know what to do with, that haven't been able to figure out what we figured out. And so we were able to look at building abstract without kind of preconceived notions of how software should be built in the first place. And as a result of that, we were able to do some pretty interesting things through some algorithms, um, changing the way in which we tapped into cloud servers, using sound cards on computers. And, you know, we weren't constrained by the, the status quo of how software is built today because the team that said yes hadn't ever really built a B2B software application before. And so we came at this from a very creative perspective. We came at it with eyes wide open. And honestly, one of the, one of the algorithms that we use, Lee, um, was written in 1954. Um, you know, we, we went back in time to see how the first people who were trying to diagnose audio streams and audio channels looked at using mathematical equations to understand audio. And we applied those principles into our software. And as a result, we were able to build abstract. Well, it's an amazing story. Um, how did you hear about Startup Showdown and Panoramic Ventures? What got them on your radar? Yeah, so I was introduced to um, a couple of the guys, Dustin and Paraj, back in May of 2021 uh, through a mutual connection. Um, I had introduced Abstract to uh, this mutual connection. She's like, hey, you got to compete in this thing called Startup Showdown. And I was like, what? I don't, I don't know anything about this. And so I reached out to uh, the Startup Showdown guys and um, – submitted my deck and made it to the semifinals actually the first time. And after mentor day, I got some feedback that, that uh, the team at Panoramic didn't really think that abstract could be built or that we could get it live kind of working in the wild. And they said, Hey, come back to us when, you know, if you've made any progress. And I kind of took that as a challenge Lee. And now it's personal. Now it's personal, right? Don't tell me I can't do something. Um, and so a couple, it must have been a couple days before the semifinalist round um, of the of last month's competition where I saw something on LinkedIn about it. And so I reached out to, um, to Tammy and Dustin. And I was like, hey, I already competed in this thing once. Can I compete again? Here's the traction I've made. And um, they were like, absolutely submit it. So made the semifinalists, uh, made the finalist round, and you know, I guess the rest is history. But uh, yeah, this was actually the second time 
but I came back to uh, to start up Showdown. So now, um, can you share a little bit about what you got out of this process of going through the startup showdown process that you feel was most beneficial? I, it, you know, doing these kind of events, they're a job unto itself. Um, yeah. it, it, and it can be, um, I don't want to say a distraction, but it's just another thing on your plate. And this is all work that has to be done. But, you know, when you're trying to build software like you are, you got a lot on your plate. So how did this process um, help you and uh, ultimately get to the goals that you're, you're aiming for? Yeah. So I think some of the, when you're going through like mentor day, um, it's one of the, the valuable things there is you're getting kind of rapid fire feedback on your deck. And as I went through mentor day and then had the opportunity to sit down with Paul before and kind of go over my deck again, one of the things that I realized that, you know, hadn't been pointed out to me before is that my deck did a really good job of selling the company, but it did nothing to emotionally draw people into the story or the vision behind the product and why I wanted to build this and what I was trying to solve for. And, um, so, you know, thinking about what I got out of this, it was, I needed to tell more of a story of how we got here and why this needed to be solved for and the impact it would have on people, not just, Hey, look at what we did. Look at the cool product. It's, you know, kind of Simon Sinek is famous for his book, start with why, like I needed to do that more in my presentation. And so when I think about what I got out of this, it was get people tapped into the story of why this matters and the moment I did that, Lee, I realized that everybody that I talked to has felt the pain of not knowing what to say when faced with an objection. And, um, you know, the moment you can emotionally attach somebody to that, then it becomes something that they, they feel power, they feel strongly about and, you know, buy into. So that's what I got most out of this was don't be afraid to, to get people to buy into this emotionally and uh, t- get the find the story behind why I want to do what we're doing. And that's a great lesson for other founders that sometimes they get so enamored with the technology and they get all that that's all they're thinking about, but they're not really looking at it through the lens of the user, the buyer and that emotional frustration that they're dealing with. And if you can get to the heart of that and make that go away, you have a really compelling sales case for them. Absolutely. Spot on. So now, uh, what's next for Abstract? Where are you on the roadmap and, um, you know, how you plan to get there? Yeah. So next steps, we have two pretty big product releases that uh, we're going to be pushing out in May and June of this year um, that, uh, you know, we were able to accelerate as a result of our winnings uh, from the startup showdown. And uh, really, we're, we're on our path to, to raising our seed round of a couple million dollars later this year. So um pipeline strong we got a great marketing engine growing we have a very predictable um engineering and product release cycle so we've uh, we've accelerated some things with this investment we're looking to hire a couple more people internally from a product perspective and uh you know raise uh, raise two or three million dollars hopefully uh middle of this year now have you got clarity around your ideal sales um persona or the folks that should be buying the software? Yeah. So what's, uh, what's been interesting about that, Lee, is we have a, had a thesis around who that should be. And it was B2B software companies, mid-market, 
less than a thousand employees. Um, but what's been fascinating is that just organically, other markets, other buyers have come to us and found instant value in this. So um, who are we targeting? We're targeting B2B software companies. Um, that being said, the problems that we solve are applicable across any vertical, any market that has a sales team. So we're going to remain hyper-focused on B2B software, but our product works organically across, again, anybody who needs to make a phone call and handle objections. Now, has there been a mentor or uh, somebody either that you met in person or that maybe you read about or maybe read their books that has kind of left a mark in terms of inspiration or um, philosophy in your uh, leadership in abstract? I think there's probably two. Um, I like Steve Jobs. I've always been a fan of Steve Jobs. I know kind of ruffled a lot of people the wrong way, um, was tough to work with and work for. Um, but we wouldn't have the iPhone. We wouldn't have smartphones without him. Um, and the way some of the stories of how we push people, I know probably some folks on my team probably are frustrated with me at some times. Um, but I think Steve Jobs is somebody that, you know, changed the world and, I think you got to kind of be a little crazy to do to do that. And so I relate to him. And then the other person that I really like and I think I try to live by is a gentleman by the name of Jocko Willink. He was Navy SEAL, talks about extreme ownership and um, kind of owning responsibility for everything. Um, because when you own the responsibility and you don't pass the buck to somebody else, it allows you to make changes. Um so yeah, Steve Jobs, Jocko Willing, two people that I really, really aspire to uh, to kind of follow in their footsteps to some degree. So what do you need more of right now and how could we help? Do you need more uh, funding, more clients, more um, talent? Yeah. So right now we're uh, hyper-focused on finding our first VP of engineering. Um, so that's the person that I'm on the lookout for. I have three recruiting firms actively looking for that first person to come in and be kind of our, our, my, my counterpart, our technical leader. Um, so that's, that's number one, two uh, money fundraising. That'll come, you know, I, uh, I wouldn't know how to spend $2 million today if I got $2 million Lee. So we have some things to do, some, some answers to get from a marketing perspective and a pipeline generation perspective before, we know what a repeatable sales and marketing motion looks like. So really right now, hyper-focused on finding VP of engineering to bring in house and two, uh, just going out and getting new customers and delighting those customers every step of the way. Well, if somebody wants to learn more about abstract, what's the website? Uh, abstract.ai and abstract spelled with a K uh, mainly because abstract with the C was way too expensive. <laughs> and that's A B S T R A. KT.ai. Yes, sir. Well, Greg, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. Yeah, thank you for having me, Lee. I appreciate you uh, giving us the opportunity to share our story. All right, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Startup Showdown Radio. As always, thanks for joining us and don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Startup Showdown podcast so you get the latest episode as it drops wherever you listen to podcasts. 
To learn more and apply to our next startup showdown pitch competition, visit showdown.vc. That's showdown.vc. All right, that's all for this week. Goodbye for now.